0: You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast with Brian Weber. It's a talk show. We talk. And former Pro Bowl Steelers quarterback Cordell Slash Stewart. Hey,
1: get your popcorn ready.
0: NFL No Huddle airs live weekdays from 4 p.m. to
2: 7 p.m. Eastern on the NFL on TuneIn, your everything audio app. Hello and welcome to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. I'm Brian Weber alongside Cordell Stewart. On today's podcast, we're going to take you around the league with Eric Edholm from Pro Football Weekly. And Brian, we're going to kick off the
1: podcast today with former NFL lineman Ross Tucker.
2: Ross, thanks for taking the time. I'm sure you watched the Combine coverage over the weekend. We're all guessing, but you have an informed opinion. Which of the college quarterbacks do you like the most heading to the pros?
3: Yeah, I've said the the entire time I'm a Sam Darnold guy um, for a bunch of different reasons. And I, I'll i be the first one to tell you, Brian, I'm not like a quarterback guru. You know, I don't, I don't watch their feet and say things like, you know, his – his footwork is perfectly matched up with his routes. And, you know, I I don't dive into that. Um, I I go a lot by what I see in big games as well as how they conduct themselves. That matters to me. You know, I I always try to put myself in the shoes of, like, let's pretend like I was a GM. You know, you draft one of these guys, top five, top ten, you know, that's your life. That's your livelihood. If, If that kid has success... You're going to get a big extension. You're going to make a ton of money for your family as a GM. If that kid's a bust, you're done. You're going to get fired. So I always look at it and think, you know, whether it's Baker Mayfield or Josh Rosen, some of the things that they've said that they've done, that's hard for me to get comfortable with. You know, I look at the top 10 quarterbacks in the NFL, uh, the Drew Brees and Brady and, you know, Aaron Rodgers and Russell Wilson and, Carson Wentz and those guys and I I don't see them acting or doing some of the things that Baker Mayfield and Josh Rosen have done I don't think they're bad kids I don't think they're bad people I don't think they're going to be necessarily a problem in the NFL I just I just don't see a lot of examples of guys that act like them that are top 10 top 15 quarterbacks in the NFL in the world I, I think Sam Darnold you know, goes about his business more the way that I'd like to see a franchise quarterback go about it. You know, am I concerned a little bit about some of the turnovers? Yeah, probably more the fumbles than the interceptions for Donald, but I also saw him play some unbelievable games that Rose Bowl against Penn State uh, uh, under adverse circumstances this year with the O-line issues and losing Juju Smith-Schuster and others. I just, I, I'm a Darnold guy for all of the above reasons.
1: You mentioned the offensive line, you also being one yourself. Um, when you think about the Cleveland Browns and what they need, uh, we know quarterback has been the com- topic of conversation for that organization for years, but if you had to start your offense off and you knew you had an offensive line there, would you want to grab someone like a Saquon Barkley to work the inside for as working downhill and then become passive aggressive by going to the pass game would you just want to go straight to the pass game and bring in someone like a a Sam Darnold or even a Josh Allen or a Josh Rosen
3: yeah so I mean I live in central Pennsylvania I I watch every snap that Penn State plays because I do some local media stuff for Penn State and the guy's unbelievable. I mean, I, I'm not saying anything you guys don't already know. He's he, he might be the most impressive physical specimen that I can ever remember. I mean, so, you know, th- there are plays where guys had the angle on him, and he just embarrassed them. I mean, he, he is really, really impressive. That said, the quarterback position is just so much more important, which is why, you know, I, I hear these people say, take Barkley at one, and then a quarterback at four, I don't care if you've got guys rated pretty closely, right? Let's say you have Darnold as a 6.7 and Rosen a 6.6 on your grading scale. You still like Darnold more. I mean, you you're still, deep down on the grade and deep down in your gut, you like him more. You feel better about him. I don't know how you don't take that guy. It's by far the most important position. I don't know how you risk not getting that guy. Now, if you can trade up from four to two with the giants and get Barkley and the quarterback you want. Now, maybe we're having a different conversation, but I don't understand the logic that you take Barkley at one and then hope your quarterback's still there for, or, you know, you're comfortable with more than one quarterback. I just, have conviction. Have a guy that you really like at the position and take that guy and hope that maybe Barkley's still there at four if you'd like to get him. Or there's a lot of other good running backs. I mean, Michelle and Nick Chubb and and Darius Geis. I mean, if you want a running back, you can still get him with all those second-round picks there. They'd be able to get a stud running back with one of those picks at the top of the second round.
2: Chatting with a good friend of the program, Ross Tucker, the former NFL offensive lineman who joins us on behalf of ballcannon.com. Ross, as you know, Steelers are using the franchise tag on Le'Veon Bell for the second consecutive year. Since the tag only helps a handful of players, as a former player, would you like to see the Players Association try to get rid of it in the next CBA? Because it's a clear impediment to true free agency.
3: Yeah, well, and I would tell you what I would want them to get rid of even before that, Brian, and that's the story picks. Are you kidding me? What, who, who invented compensatory picks? Why should a team be rewarded for not resigning one of their own guys? You know, Some of these teams, when they're deciding whether or not to sign a guy or not, they're like, yeah, we like him, but at that price, plus if we let him go, we'll get a third-round story pick. That's a joke to me. I, I actually think that the compensatory picks are more of an impediment to the, the, the guys getting as much money as they should than the tag. I don't like the tag. I mean, there's no other aspect of life where you have a tag like that. I will say, though, um, for certain guys, uh, the dollar amount and the way they build the long-term contracts off of the tag, it's not as bad as people used to think it was. You, know, you think about what Kirk Cousins done. I mean, On Bell, last year, because the tag is now averaged over the previous five years, he got $12.12 million last year. The highest-paid running back in the NFL was LaShawn McCoy at eight million a year. So, and now Devontae Freeman's getting eight point two five. So last year, Le'Veon got fifty percent more than any other running back in the NFL. This year, he'll get fourteen point five. I personally think he made a very poor business decision by not taking what they offered him last year. What they offered him last year was thirty and a half million dollars in the first two years. Which means even after this year, if he hits free agency, he's three and a half, four million dollars in the hole of what the Steelers were offering him and I think they were offering him like somewhere between twelve and fourteen million dollars a year. He is really stuck on trying to send a message about the running back position and trying to get sixteen million dollars a year. I think he's sadly mistaken. I mean, I think that the Steelers will let him play on the tag this year. They'll probably give him 400-plus touches again, run him into the ground, which, by the way, is what I would do if I were the team. It's a cold, hard, unsentimental business, as Cordell knows. And then I'd let him go for agency. He's not going to get $16 million a year. After another year with 400 touches, We're talking about a guy that I don't know that he's ever played a season where he's played every game. You know, he had one regular season where he played every game, and then he he missed the playoffs with that hyperextended knee. He's also already been suspended twice. Who out there is next offseason season and saying, you know what I want? A guy that's just had over 800 touches the last two years that has been suspended twice. Hurt every single year. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to pay him double of any other running back in the NFL. I mean, it's crazy. His agent, my understanding is, told him to take the deal, and he said no. I'm, I, you know, look, it's his, it's his life. More power to him. He's still getting $26 million for these two years, so it's not like he's doing bad financially. It's just not a smart business move.
1: Give me your take on Kirk Cousins and, and how, she, how he should get paid. Because Alex Smith, he got his seventy million guaranteed because of a trade. We know J.J. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, excuse me, end up getting his big contract via trade. But when you're a free agent, that money becomes hard instantly, meaning that it has no leverage one way or another, uh, other than going downward. Because now it may interfere with the cap. Give me your take on Kirk Cousins.
3: Well, I mean. Cordell, Jimmy Garoppolo is getting twenty-seven and a half million a year, based on seven starts. I don't know how Cousins doesn't get at least thirty, based on what he's done the last three years. Now, I think that there's some excitement that maybe Garoppolo becomes a better player than Cousins, based on how he played at the end of last year. I don't, I don't understand. Like, if you're the Cleveland Browns, if you don't love one of these quarterbacks. I don't know how you don't offer Kirk Cousins thirty to $35 million a year. I know that sounds crazy. You look it at him, they have $100 million in cap space. I mean, he immediately would make them a 500 team. And then you could use the first pick on Barkley, the fourth pick on another stud at a different position, and now you're really doing something. I don't think Cousins wants to go there. And I think the Browns bailed because I think the Browns knew – because of how bad they've been, that they would have to overpay so much in order to get him to go there that they were like, no, we're not doing that. That's not worth it. We got the number one pick. We'll get a quarterback. But these other teams, I think the guy would be well, well worth it. I mean, to get a top 12 quarterback in the NFL in his prime without having to trade, you know, some team just offered a second round pick for Nick Foles. You know, without having to trade anything to get Cousins, uh, I would I would definitely, if you're Jimmy Haslam, I don't know how you don't give him $30 million a year at a minimum. I'll be curious to see. It sounds like everybody thinks he's going to end up going to the Vikings. It sounds like the Vikings and the Broncos are the two teams he's most interested in because he wants to win. He thinks those two teams can win. We'll see. That kind of bums me out, to be honest with you guys. I don't want him to just go for the most money, period. I just want to know what a top 12 quarterback can actually get on the open market in free agency. I wish Cousins would just say, look, I'm just going to go straight money. Whatever gives me the most, that's where I'm going. If, 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 if I could choose, that's what I would choose for him because I just want to see how much he gets. I want to see how high I can go.
2: Great cash homie Ross. Let's wrap it up with ballcannon.com. What will our listeners experience when they check out the website?
3: Well, so I've talked to you guys about this before. It's like a juggling machine that you can actually have for your kids in your backyard or your driveway. You can change the launch angle for like a punt or a line drive. You can change the speed. You know, when I'm with teenagers, I crank it up. When I'm with my 6-year-old and 4-year-old, I crank it way down. There's a delay feature, so you can even launch the footballs to yourself, which is amazing. Not even a juggling machine has that. So what I tell people is if you've got a son between 5 and 15, I promise you this is the best gift you will give them in a long, long time, and they'll play with it for years. They'll love it, and all the neighbors will come over and play with it, and they'll actually get them off their phone and social media and video games. Ballcannon.com.
2: Ross, great information as always. We appreciate the insights. Thanks for joining us again today on the NFL on TuneIn.
0: Absolutely. Always, guys. Great talking with you guys. See ya. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. And we'll be right back with more after this. A year into Donald Trump's presidency, we still don't have answers to basic questions about how his family business works.
1: Like, who are their business partners? Or is the business benefiting from his administration? Is Trump acting on behalf of the country or his company?
0: Trump, Inc. is a podcast from WNYC Studios and ProPublica where we dig deep and ask questions about President Trump's family business. We're looking for answers and you can help.
2: Listen to Trump, Inc. today on TuneIn.
0: Welcome back to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart.
2: Let's talk Saquon Barkley, continue on the path to the draft with a great friend of the NFL on TuneIn, our draft analyst last year in Philadelphia, Dan Chanka from rlads.com. Dan, always a pleasure. Thanks for coming back on the show. I've not had a chance to look at your overall rankings. Where do you slot Saquon Barkley? Is there a chance he's the best player in this entire draft?
4: Absolutely, Brian. Great being back with you and Cordell also. And, uh, no, I tell you what, Saquon Barkley has been our top guy since last summer, evaluating the films and things like that after the 2017 draft. And he's done nothing to uh, slide backwards. And, I mean, this guy is a lethal weapon. I mean, he's not only a running back. And, you know, you hear scuttlebutt out there, people saying, well, you know, should you really take a running back at once? Well, this guy is a weapon catching the ball, running the ball. He can do it all. He, you know, he can return if you want him to return kickoffs, which you wouldn't do once he's picked uh, first in the draft, I don't believe. But he's a tremendous running back, a great person, and um, a guy that's really going to help a team out next year
1: do you think he's worthy of the number one spot considering that the Cleveland Browns have the one spot and also the four to where he's so dynamic you grab him first and get one of the quarterbacks because none of those guys really stuck out like a sore thumb to say, we need to grab this quarterback first.
4: Yeah, yeah I, I agree a hundred percent Cordell. I, I mean, I really like uh, Barkley going at one and I, you know, I, I, I'm a Mayfield guy and uh, I think he'll be there at, at four. I don't know. I don't, I think everybody's going to think what the world thinks he's too short, but he's the best quarterback in this draft, and uh, he can go. I, I believe he'll be sitting there at four. So, I, I, and hey, If they do lose him, they can have a fallback guy like Rosen, something like that, but I just don't believe. Um, I don't know if the grit's going to be there for anybody to go up and above for, to get Mayfield. So I think you roll the dice, and uh, you take Barkley at one, and you take Mayfield at four.
2: Talking Draft with our great friend Dan Shonka, rlads.com. Dan, in terms of your assessment of Josh Rosen from UCLA, are you more concerned by his polarizing personality or his history of injuries playing for the Bruins?
4: The injury history. uh, I tell you, Brian, that that scares me with a couple concussions already, and he's had a shoulder surgery. He's a real smart guy, accurate. When you study him on film, I mean, he's really pretty when he sets up. I mean, his feet are under him. He, st- I mean, fundamentally, this guy is the total package. He's got good height on him. He's got good vision. He's smart. Um, we really like him, but I t- that is a scary proposition. Uh, you talk about rolling the dice. I mean, he may get hurt in the first preseason game and be, um, you know, on concussion protocol for the whole year.
1: Man, over the years, going back to Cincinnati, um, now the Cleveland Browns. These are two organizations in its time and right now with the Cleveland Browns that when getting the first pick, grabbing whatever player there was, especially on the offensive side of football, whether it was Kajana Carter or maybe now even a quarterback, they're going to struggle regardless. Is it fair to say that whoever goes first, quarterback or even a Saquon Barkley, that they're going to struggle because these organizations, Cincinnati at that time and now all of a sudden Cleveland, they for some reason can't figure it out?
4: Well, you know, that's common knowledge out there. But the thing that I like what Cleveland's been doing, and the reason I'd kind of like to see Mayfield go there is because I've always envisioned him as a Drew Brees-type quarterback. When I was with the Eagles, I made the school call at Purdue, and I gave Drew Brees a second-round grade, and I really liked him. I thought his accuracy, his leadership, and all that was top drawer the same way I do with Mayfield. And now what Cleveland has done, they've got a couple good guards, which, you know, Bruce always had to have guards up front to protect the inside so he could step up in the pocket. And uh, Mayfield does that also. I think that will be good. I think they've got a lot of parts. Uh, I guess a short answer to your question is they've got a lot of parts. They're getting better. And I think that this draft, with uh, they've got 12 picks, I believe that um you know and and five of them well actually four of them are going to be in the top 35 uh players so um they're going to get some really good football players to help the, with the package they got now so and, and I think John Dorsey is going to do really a good job there and they put together a blue ribbon scouting staff and you know, hey, well, hey, if these guys can't do it, I don't know if anybody can. I'm with you, Cordell. We might just take the bulldozers and push Cleveland right in uh, Lake Erie.
2: <laughs> the timing would be apropos coming off an 0-16 season. Chatting with Dan Shanka from rlads.com. Dan, you know, I'm based in L.A. with a grad school at USC. I watched just about every important game Sam Darnold played. I can understand why scouts like you are very impressed by his potential and the arm talent, but how do you explain the way all the turnovers, not just interceptions, he lost a lot of fumbles last year?
4: He did, and and that's a very good point, Brian. I mean, here's a guy that had 37 turnovers in 26 games, and, uh, you know, if you're taking – he looks like a cow on ice at times, too. I mean, his feet are not under him when he throws. You talk – you know, you go across the – Across the city, and you see what Rosen's doing you know with his perfect form and everything with his feet and uh the way he plays the position and then Sam he kind of goes out there and looks like he just got off the beach, you know, and walks out there and I mean fundamentally he is all over the place, and then I think he trusts his arm a little bit too much, and he'll throw into a crowd, makes bad decisions um we just don't have Sam up there as high as um you know other people, but uh I, it, everything's going to happen for him down the line, not right now. I mean, he's a potential guy, which, as we all know, that potential means you haven't done it yet.
1: Tell me about Lamar Jackson. What happens with him in this draft? Is he, is he a first-rounder at the quarterback position because his talent is better than every other quarterback in it?
4: Yeah, you're you're, you're right, Cordell. In fact, uh, every time I see him, I go, Hey, is that Cordell Stewart out there? You know, <laughs> uh, you know he's uh, of course he might be might be a little faster than you, but oh, yeah. um, I'll tell you, he is a, a tremendous athlete. And you're right; I mean, he's a guy that everybody wants to you know make Cordell Stewart out of him, make slash, you know, play quarterback and wide receiver. But I think that he's going to go to a team that's going to give him every chance to succeed a quarterback. And, uh, he, because when he's in the open field, I mean, he's made his bones at Louisville with his legs. Let's face it. I mean, he, he pulls that ball down. If there's a seam, uh, he can go with it and, and make you miss in the open field and what have you. Um, but, uh, I really think this year, guys, he has gotten better, uh, as, as, as to play the quarterback position. He sees the field a little bit better and, uh, but he is a project. There's no question about it. He's going to take time. And, I don't think he, if he doesn't go real early, if he goes later in the first round where, you know, everybody's not pressuring the, the team who takes him to put him in. And the other thing is, if he does go later in the first round, that means he's probably with a team that's already got a pretty good quarterback so he can develop. Whether Hey, you never know, it might be the Steelers again. You know, uh, you, you never know. So it's just, um, but he's a very talented guy. I think he's a quarterback and uh, he just needs time.
2: Dan, since we've already focused on Saquon Barkley, let's talk about the rest of what I think is a talented running back class. you got big names like Ronald Jones coming out of USC and the Georgia running backs, Michelle and Chubb.
4: Uh, it is, it, it this is. This is probably the strongest position in the draft. Uh, there's just, um, obviously, with Barkley being the total package with the great hands and everything, uh, Darius Geis out of LSU, uh, uh, an explosive guy that, actually weighed in at the uh, combine a little bit bigger than I think people thought. He was around 225 pounds, 224 pounds, I guess it was. And uh, But a very talented guy, an explosive guy, uh, Rashad Penny from uh, San Diego State, who I, mean, I know it's hard to believe with the numbers he's put up that he's kind of a sleeper, but here's a guy that can catch the ball. He's uh, got great vision. He's got size, around 220 pounds, uh, hard worker, um, you know, I liked him better than Pumphrey when when, uh, uh, Pumphrey was uh, leading the world in uh, yards and things a year ago. And any time you'd see Penny come in late in the game, he was a star. And, you know, touching on USC's Ronald Jones, an explosive slash type guy, I mean, he gets up that field. uh, But he just needs to do some things better in blocking. And, as you know, he won't get on the field unless you can block. You've got to protect those men or billion-dollar quarterbacks almost anymore. So he's got to block a little bit better, but he's got great running skills, great vision. And then a guy that, you know, we really like, and again, he doesn't seem to be getting a lot of uh, pub, I guess, Uh, And in the scouting community he does, but uh, Nick Chubb is a guy that, um, I mean, when you're second only to Herschel Walker at Georgia and all those great running backs that have come out of Georgia – this guy is special. Uh, they never threw the ball much to him. I think he's got very average hands from the little bit that I've seen. But man, when he gets downhill running the ball, uh, he is just tremendous. Uh, he drops that shoulder, can run over you. Uh, powerful guy. And then you know he split uh, ta- or split carries this year with Sony Michelle. And and he, there's another guy that's a very talented running back. And uh, you know actually we could probably talk the whole show about these running backs because. Bo Scarborough was another guy that looked great at the combine and and, uh, has been tremendous for Alabama. So there's running, and Carry On Johnson from Auburn is another one. You know, you just go on and on, and we didn't talk about Josh Adams from uh, Notre Dame. I mean, it's just uh, the riches are there, and if you want a running back this year or two, you're going to get one.
1: What about this kid, Shakim Griffin, linebacker out of U.S. Uh, UCF? Excuse me, who ran a four three eight and a forty? Caught the ball really well. He gave you twenty uh, on the on the bench. He gave you twenty reps with a two twenty five. Give me your conversation. What you think of what he can do in the National Football League, considering he doesn't have his left hand?
4: Yeah, uh, uh, Cordell. I, here, I think first of all, he's going to be a core special team player. Um, he can line up anywhere, and he's going to cause serious damage on special teams because he—he's uh, just an explosive guy. He's got great burst. He'll light you up. Uh, he's got a lot of courage. Um, you know, I think that's where his first spot will be, and then whoever drafts him, they're going to have a plan for him. And uh, I think his best—he's going to have to go to a team that blitzes the ball or blitzes a lot because. What he can do, he really is explosive off the edge. Say you widen him out in a nine technique, which is you know widen out that uh, the offensive tackle get a little wider and then come off that edge. Because what he can do on plays away, he can run them down from behind across that line of scrimmage and just run them down from behind. I mean, he's he's like a cheetah chasing a gazelle. You know, I mean, he's just his his speed is so evident on film. And then what he did the other day was just confirmed everybody's suspicions how fast he really is. So he did a great job uh, there. And then, you know, you can line him up as a weak side, outside linebacker, loop him inside, going through the A gaps. So somebody that really blitzes a lot, They've got to take advantage of him, and um, I think that that's the thing that um, now if you're going to ask him to sit there and you know lock out shiver and, and this and that, he's not going to be able to do that because you're going to get engulfed by those big uh, offensive tackles and things. But as a weapon that you can use on your team, okay, on special teams, he's going to be dynamic, and then use him as a blitzer. And he, I'll tell you, he can drop into coverage. He can man up on people. He can run with any backs that are coming out of the backfield. Uh, he's on wheel routes and things like that. He does a great job there. So, uh, I mean, I think it's all ahead of him. It's going to take a defensive coordinator to say, hey, this is what we're going to do with the guy, and he's going to be in a lot of sub-packages. And I think that uh, he's going to have a really good NFL career.
2: Dan, always a pleasure. Thanks so much for coming back on the show. Look forward to chatting with you again as we continue on the path to the draft.
0: You bet you guys. Hey, thanks a million. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. And we'll be right back with more after this. Tune in has what you need and when you want it, when on the run and on the go. Covering all musical needs, today's hits Latin hits. Keep Willie, We William. Deontay, free. country roads. Like road, Hip hop beat. Ho-la, ho-la, down. Ho-la, low, ho-la, low. Be ho-la. Sit down. Ho-la, 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 ho-la. Supporting artists and the music they make exclusively on TuneIn. Welcome back to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart.
2: As we close out NFL No Huddle the Podcast, let's take you across the league with Eric at home from Pro Football Weekly. Eric, thanks for taking the time. The notion of value is a tricky proposition. We can talk supply and demand or just the concept that a quarterback of the stature, however, you see Kirk Cousins, rarely gets this far. Along in terms of being unrestricted free agent. That said, it was a long-winded preface. We know the Vikings have a complete roster. Can you envision them really paying Kirk Cousins 30 million dollars a season?
5: Yeah, it's a great question, um, and and obviously, like you said, this is, a, this is a unique situation, and that's what you know. Rick Spielman, the GM, uh, talked about at the combine was you know even though he's used that line before. I don't know. I think he's really a unicorn. I mean, I really think that we've never seen a, a sub-30-year-old quarterback, you know, in the prime of his career, who's hit for agency, you know, unshackled. So, yeah, I mean, I, I really believe that, that that's why the Vikings are going to make a play for him. Um, but then you hear Mike Zimmer talk about, hey, we built this defense up, and we've done it in a certain way where, you know, if we can't re-sign – uh, Eric Hendricks, If we can't re-sign Anthony Barr, if we're going to lose other guys, if we can't re-sign Stephon Diggs after next year, we got problems. So We built this team a certain way, and and now we're kind of mortgaging that future a little bit with a quarterback. So there's a fine line there that that has to be sort of balanced with them.
1: Yeah, and when you when you thinking about that fine line with the quarterback, he's also a, at best a middle of the pack quarterback in my opinion too as well. To give him a three-year, maybe ninety-one million buck contract. Uh, guaranteed money when this team is a really good and sound football team. We see what's taking place in Jacksonville. That team is a really good football team. They signed Blake Bortles to a, a pretty decent deal to allow to keep the chemistry the same. Why don't you see them trying to do something like this? which is still not done. I mean, this could just be conversation that we're hearing for the sake of it, but why aren't they trying to get a, a case Keenum for the low and then say, you know what? Let's bring in another young quarterback or keep a Sam Bradford or, 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 or Teddy Bridgewater and just keep this thing going.
5: Yeah, you, you make a great point, too, with, with comparing Jacksonville, another team that's sort of built on, uh, you know, the other facets of the game and maybe doesn't need dominant play from its quarterback. Now, you know, could Cousins at his best elevate them? Sure. But how big of a lift is it from where the level that Case Keenum played at, even if you don't think – He's ever going to be better than what he played those first, you know, 13 games prior to the playoffs. He didn't play great in the playoffs. Is Cousins going to be that dramatically better? You know, assuming that he's going to probably take a little while to establish some chemistry with his receivers and all that. And you know, at his best, has he has he been markedly better than what Keenan was during the regular season last year? I don't know. And you're now thinking about paying him. Uh, that much money per year, an unprecedented amount, it it is frightening to think about it. But, yeah, you better be darn sure that Cousins is going to elevate your play. Whereas compared to the Jaguars, which said, yeah, we're going to keep Bortles in place now, probably going to draft his potential successor and and see how it all plans out over the next few years. That's the, the more conservative and maybe the smarter approach right there.
2: Taking you around the league with Eric Edholm from Pro Football Weekly. Let's connect the dots. If the dominoes start falling with Cousins going to Minnesota, what do you think the market would look like for Case Keenum? Is he a starter again or does he have to compete for a gig on another team?
5: Yeah, I think he's gonna he's gonna get paid like a starter for sure. And obviously he'll have to match, you know, sort of the level of play that he that he did last season when he stepped in. You know, remember, he had no market last year. He was somebody that, you know, was moving on to his third team in a four year span. And uh, we've come a long way in in the last sort of eight months or whatever. Um, You know, if a team like Denver, for instance, projects him to be there, I still think they're going to have to make other arrangements at quarterback. I don't think Paxton Lynch truly is in their future very much. At this point, Trevor Simeon is a a trade or release candidate, wouldn't be getting much in return if they did. I think Chad Kelly stays. Okay, you got another young quarterback with no real experience on his hands, too. But I wouldn't be shocked if they they take other measures as well. You get Keenum, you have Kelly, and then maybe one more. So that's the kind of option. And then you start thinking about, okay, what's the trickle-down effect with the Jets, the Arizona Cardinals, the other teams out there looking for quarterbacks. And I, I don't know that we've ever had this kind of, Jenga puzzle before with as many veteran quarterbacks, plus draft options as well, uh, you know, co- completing the, uh, the picture
1: here. Eric, when it comes down to, to teams in the National Football League, determining how they pay their running backs, you know, the, 30, the 30-year-old number, that number is an ugly number for, for players mm-hmm. and also for teams. Le'Veon Bell right now is 26 years of age. He's, gotten a four, he's obviously been tagged with a, a $14.5 million franchise tag. How would you pay him knowing that you he for sure has a quality two years left of the next four years? Let's just hypothetically say that's the case. would you would you say a, a four-year deal with, with, with two years guaranteed money, giving him the average of the 14 or 15 million bucks a year and guaranteeing those two years and let the third year be the option year to by then there's still some value in him and maybe be able to either restructure which I doubt they do or just trade him off and get some value from him, and send him somewhere like Miami, San Diego, or say somewhere like the uh, Arizona Cardinals, which we know a lot of uh, long-and-a-tooth running backs have a tendency to go there.
5: Yeah, yeah, that's absolutely an option for the Steelers. And, and they have to do something, too. I mean, obviously their, their cap is not in great shape right now. You know, with, with Bell taking up such a big percentage of it, you know, 8% of their cap or whatever it is, Uh, being allotted to one running back. You don't see any other teams that have that kind of financial situation right now. Ben takes up a big chunk. Antonio Brown signed a new deal last year, so he takes up a a chunk as well. So those three players are are kind of hijacking the the cap a little bit. As great as they are, that's that's sort of the hand they've dealt themselves, exclusive tag two years in a row. And so, right, if you factor in last year, the one-year tender, $12.1 million, And let's just say, for argument's sake, that he does sign the tender. I don't think he will. But you're talking about almost $27 million paid out to Bell last year plus this year. That's an unfathomable number for a running back. You just don't see it anywhere else. So, yeah, in the Steelers' minds, they'd love to bring that year one number down, still give him the guaranteed money. Hey, we want to pay you, but we just can't afford to do it this year all at once. You know, they don't want him to sign the tender, and Bell doesn't want to sign it. So I suspect that the only escape route is to find that that middle ground. And he's asking for a lot because of what he does on the field as a runner, as a receiver, as a game changer. So, you know, I can understand both sides of the equation there.
2: Eric, let's refresh the collective mind of the audience as to how the Steelers got into this jam because Le'Veon Bell didn't help himself with multiple suspensions. I'm not going to blame him for the injuries, but then the knock becomes on the player you're injury prone. Still, last year, I know I wasn't thrilled about the franchise tenter. He actually was available for all 16 games. So why do you think the Steelers wouldn't be inclined to try to make him happier and go the multi-year routes?
5: Yeah, I think they have a number in mind that's a lot different. I just think they're sitting there saying, look around the league and try to find me a running back who, who makes what Bell is asking for. And Bell's people are saying, that's fine, but look around the league and find a, a back who's as good as Bell. I mean, you could make that argument too. So, you know, that's got to be the negotiating con, you know, context from Bell's side. A- and the Steelers have to sit there and say, look, yes, we need you, But we also have to pay Roethlisberger. You know, we also have to pay Antonio Brown. We also have to pay Cam Hayward and and Pouncey. And then Joe Hayden, I think, hits for almost $12 million this year. So unless they can kind of fix things financially, you you know, Ryan Shazier's not going to play this year. They obviously have to, you know, think about replacing him as well. Mike Mitchell could be possible, you know, cap casualty. You don't want to do that. But in order to keep these guys, there's, there's something they have to do because right now they're in the red by eight plus million dollars or whatever that number is. So, yeah, I think the Steelers are willing to come up a little bit, and I think they have come up. I just don't know if they're gonna get to where Bell hopes they'll get, and that's that's why it's gonna be so fascinating to see a play out from now till you know July sixteenth.
1: Eric, when you look at the the numbers that are potentially gonna take place for Kirk Cousins. You look at a number that's, that's already out there for Jimmy Garoppolo, Matthew Stafford, uh, Derek Carr. You have two of the game's elite quarterbacks that are somewhat dangling in the air right now. That's Drew Brees, as far as the new deal is concerned, and also Aaron Rodgers. If, Kay, if Kirk Cousins can get a three-year deal, allegedly, 91 of it guaranteed, all of that money guaranteed. What are we going to see from these two guys?
5: Fascinating question. And I'd throw Matt Ryan into that discussion, too, because the Falcons and Ryan have, you know, had some initial uh, conversations about what his next deal would, would look like after it expires after next season. So, yeah, I mean, you know, obviously some of these agents represent more than one of these guys. So I think they're, they're trying to make it work in the right order. I mean, when Garoppolo, $27.5 million per year went down, a lot of agents just smiled, and, and, you know, the Tom Cottons of the world and, and those kind of guys said, hey, this, this works pretty well for us. So, yeah, if Cousins is worth more than 30 per year, you can't tell me Aaron Rodgers isn't worth 32 or what have you. So, yeah, that's that's going to be the discussion. And the length of the deal is really interesting, too. You know, Cousins can obviously still, you know, hit trade agency one more time in his prime. Uh, you know, and then you sort of sit there and think, how long does Rogers next deal go? Do you just tack on years? Do you scrap the last year and and do something else completely new? So they'll use Matthew Stafford's contract, they'll use Garoppolo's deal. They'll use Cousins contract whenever he signs, and it sounds like it may not be in the first you know forty eight hours of free agency. He may visit multiple teams and legitimately have interest in multiple teams. so that's why I think some of these deals have to wait, even though there were some reports that Rogers and the Packers might be close. I think it's smart for them to wait and see how all the, you know, all the dust settles and see what these guys are going to end up earning.
2: Eric, as always, we appreciate the information. Thanks for joining us again today on the NFL on TuneIn.
0: Good hearing from you guys. Thanks. Thank you for listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast on iTunes with Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. Listen live weekdays from 4 p.m. to 7 p.m. Eastern by downloading the TuneIn app and searching NFL No Huddle.
2: The National Football League is on. TuneIn, your everything audio app.